0: Oh, the horn. No. And everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. So far, everything would have had it Alabama. Do I don't give a shit who we're playing. Young and angry. Play against them and make his ass quit. That's our trademark. That's our mo with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. In zone. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Hear the tide,
1: honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. All right, fans, I am proud to say that today we are back to full strength. Tom, welcome back. I think you probably have a lot of pent-up football to discuss, so go.
0: Absolutely, man. Hey, guys, it's good to be back. And a lot has transpired since uh, I was last able to join Dave for one of our shows. Uh, Obviously, we were able to uh, take care of business and and win another national championship against those good old Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, Glad to be back. A lot happened in the offseason and looking forward to uh, chatting with uh, Dave about it here today.
1: Fantastic. Well, Tom, why don't we jump in? We're doing something a little different. We're recording during the day. And so this is either going to be super efficient and effective for us or one of us is going to lose our job. So why don't we jump in and see if we can make it a week and not do that? Arkansas Absolutely. State, man, fifty-seven to seven—that's a pretty good dismantling. Where do you want to take us on offense?
0: You know, whenever I had uh, picked a score with my family, we like to do that sometimes. I had thrown out fifty-four to three. Saban doesn't like to put fifty on anybody, as you know, right? I mean, he he wants to stay in those forties, and so you know, other other programs, this would have been eighty to zero. Uh, we knew it wasn't going to get over fifty, and if it was, it wasn't going to be by much. Um you know, it's what we expected against, you know, a Sun Belt football team. You know, interestingly enough, Arkansas State has had a lot of success in the past four to five years. I believe they're predicted to win their conference this year. Uh, they've got a senior quarterback that likes to drop back 30, 40 times a game. And, you know, the the TV broadcasters shared with us that they had, I think, seven receivers that were six foot three and taller. And so, you know, going into this football game, this was going to be a good challenge, you know, to a young secondary. And I think the defense uh, held up reasonably well under the circumstances.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that that we have certainly talked about over the seasons and, and it's fun to fun to get to experience and and this season is certainly, you know, part of that. And I think finally someone in the media asked Saban the, the question, you know, coming up to this game. But you know, Saban likes to strategically pick who we play. And, and try to pick someone who plays a style similar to what we're going to see during the season. So for my money, there's no coincidence that we're playing Louisiana. Uh, I'm sorry, that we opened the season against Louisville, that we're playing uh, Arkansas State, and then we go to uh, Ole Miss next week. You know, all three teams are known for passing the ball, uh, airing it out, and guess what? We have a young secondary that needs as much experience as they can. So this was really a good matchup for us.
0: No, absolutely. And we also have a lot of young guys, you know, on the defensive line, as far as backups go, that got a chance to come in and, you know, get a lot of time in the second half. Uh, you and I really enjoy these games because when most fans are going home, you know, we're kind of dialing in with the binoculars and, and checking out the future stars of Alabama. And so we can touch on that a little bit in the show as well today because uh, some young guys got some good time as well.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Talk to us about the quarterback play. Uh, I know, I know that uh, you know. Late last season, we had a lot to say about the quarterback play, uh, and and a lot has been said. And probably has played out uh, pretty close to the expectations that we would have. Tua, I think, had a phenomenal day: thirteen of 19, 228 yards. Uh, similar to what I was thinking last week, his numbers easily could have doubled. You know, had had he stayed in and had we kept our our foot on the gas. Uh, Jalen, I thought, had a good day as well, 7 of 9 for 93. And I thought two really good touchdown passes, perhaps one of his better performances as a passer. Um, talk to us about some of your pent-up thoughts on the quarterback play.
0: You know, it, it is kind of playing out the way I expected. If there's any place in college football uh, where a coach can keep uh, two very successful uh, good quarterbacks in one program, it's Coach Saban. And so, you know, the fact that Jalen stayed does not surprise me uh, because of Coach Saban, regardless of whether he's about to, you know, finish his academic career in, in December or not. And so, you know, Saban is, is managing this um, in a way that probably a lot of coaches would not be able to, to handle because of the drama that would, you know, that would come into the locker room. And so I guess a couple of different things. First of all, Tua is just a special talent. Uh, you and I saw that last year uh, in the Vandy game when he did a pirouette and he, you know, threw a 50 yard touchdown pass, um, you know, to to uh, to, uh, uh, to Devonta Smith, um, you know, in the end zone. Um, you know, we, we knew that like, wow, that's a that's a that's a play you don't see quarterbacks make. And so, you know, I heard a stat yesterday, which was really interesting. Granted, he didn't have a lot of snaps last year, a lot of pass attempts. But last year, for every seven times he threw a pass, there was a result of a touchdown. Yeah. Seven passes for a touchdown. And so, you know, this kid is just a special kid. Uh, this kid has, you know, he's got the arm. He's got the mobility. He's got the vision. Um, You know, we saw in the national championship game, he's able to throw receivers open. You know, you and I have talked about that, throw receivers open. Well, guess what? I think Jalen Hurts is getting better because of the quarterback competition. And so I think Jalen, I think I think I think there's lots of quarterbacks in America that would die to be in Jalen's situation. Sure. because if you're trying to become better and improve your craft, you want the best competition you can get. And guess what? I think Jalen is learning things from TuA. I think Tua is learning things from Jalen. Uh, I think that this is going to be a good situation for Alabama football. Um, And I think that Tua, you know, he, he seems like a good kid. I mean, he's, you know, from, from, from our vantage point, right. Which is removed, you know, he, he seems to be genuinely happy when Jalen has success. And he doesn't have to be that way, man.
1: No, I think you're absolutely right. I think, you know, Jalen or uh, Tua is still the holder. And uh, after, after the second touchdown pass that that Jalen threw, you know, he stood out on the field and one of the first players that, you know, rushed out not only to congratulate, but because he was part of the, you know, the PAT unit was uh, was Tua and just ran right out there. And and they sort of stopped and stood and looked at each other. And then Tua just gave him a big hug. And, and you think like that's team, that is, you know, teammates, right? That is, uh, you know, celebrating the success of others. You said something, you know, the competition is making Jalen better. And I think that's I think that's absolutely right. and And one of the things that, that sort of you know bubbles up in my mind is, you know sometimes you can tell me, you can tell me, and you can tell me. but show me. And sometimes it's hard to show you how to hit the the you know, the open receiver or how to throw the ball before the receiver breaks open right and the coach can go to the 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 video and you can look at it and look at it and look at it and say now's when you're supposed to throw the ball now's when you're supposed to throw the ball but all you're doing is telling me well let's go out here on the sideline in a game and let's watch Tua do that and you know here it is in live competition he's he's anticipating the open receiver he understands the route and he knows where to place the ball and Jalen for my money Hit two of his better passes in his career uh, Saturday, and I don't want to discount Arkansas State. It's still a live defense. These were throws over the middle of the field, uh, a place where he has been reluctant to throw the ball, and they both went uh, went for touchdowns. I was very impressed with him. Him, you know, standing up and and putting the ball in play. I I thought uh, I thought he looked really good. And to your point, you know, like you said, I think that uh, they are benefiting one from the other. So that's phenomenal. You know, two of his two is stats, and I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but, uh, I, you know, I saw uh, another – I saw one stat and, and and the other one sort of organically, I, th- I think, that I thought of. i am not seeing anywhere. But you mentioned that every so many passes, you know, thus far in his career, he's thrown for a touchdown. And there was a stat, and I can't remember the numbers, that um, out of his third down passes, uh, a significant number, like seven of ten, like an incredible number of his third down passes go for, um, go for touchdowns. And one thing I noticed Saturday is that it's almost a Bruce Banner, you know, incredible, the incredible Hulk, uh, situation almost every time he gets sacked, he throws for a touchdown on the play after that. And that would be like six of 10 or, or, you know, the number would be, would be impressive. And, and I thought, you know, Bruce Banner used to say, you won't like me when I'm angry. And, and I could just envision Tua saying, you won't like me after you sack me, you know, because he throws touchdowns on third downs and after being sacked. It's pretty amazing.
0: No, absolutely. Now I will say that, you know, Alabama, I think it's good for Jalen. I think it's good for Tua that they are there together. As, as I mentioned, I also think right now for Alabama fans and for the success of this program, um, it's a big thing too. Uh, and I, and I say that because, you know, in in watching when Jalen was in the game, um, you know, like obviously his fumble at the goal line. Okay. Just, just, to to mention it for just a second, you know, Damien had sat there and been the workhorse and had gone down the field. Damien had not played a lot. Right. And Damien had been the workhorse on this drive and had gone down the field. Well, when they get to the goal line, you know, Damien ends up, they, you know, he fakes the handoff to Damien and and he tries to keep it around the end himself. Well, you and I saw too many times last year, right. Where we got to the end zone and it seemed like Jalen was calling. I won't say, I won't say he was calling his number because we don't know who, who had the play, yeah. but the play was that Jalen ran the ball at the goal line, right. Yeah. Many, many times. Yeah. And so in that situation, I was hoping Damien would, would, you know, Let's let him score, right? He's he's the one that's been the workhorse and gotten us down the field, and so I think in that situation, it wasn't a great decision by by Jalen uh, to to go airborne there uh, from about the three yard line. It's unfortunate that he fumbled. I'm glad he's okay, uh, but that's a situation in a big game, right? Which which would not be a good thing, right? Well. There's um, Tua's touchdown in the third quarter, Dave, where where he sat there and, and hit Derek Keith on third and thirteen. Okay, mm-hmm. you know he was under a lot of duress there. Okay, on that play, and when you go back and watch the replay, both the right guard and the right tackle did not maintain their pass protection for very long at all. They both got beat. Uh, the two guy, the two defensive linemen, did a stunt. But they were not able to pick it up is having to dodge both guys while still knowing where Derek Keefe is, knowing that Derek Keefe is right by the out-of-bounce mark, and he's able to throw the ball on a rope mm-hmm. to like the only place that it's going to be a touchdown. Now, I'll point that out very quickly because I think if Tua wouldn't have been in the game in that situation, I think Jalen would have gotten sacked. Or I think Jalen would have said, I'm going to – the play has broken down and I'm going to run and I might get a yard or whatever. Now, that's not to critique Jalen. That's to say that right now, if both quarterbacks were not at this program, right, where they could bring their strengths to the table, then I don't know that Alabama would have put 57 points on the board uh, Saturday.
1: No, I agree. I think that, uh, you know, Tua is – Tua's talent throwing the ball and his recognition – and you're right. He was under pressure. You know, he had to step away, reset his feet, and then load up and and throw the ball. And it happened, you know, very quickly. very quickly. But Correct. but that still had you know that progression still had to happen. His head had to still be looking downfield. His mind, his eyes, you know, downfield, knowing where he wanted to put the ball, and uh, and able to get it there. You know, just on the tightrope of the sideline. I completely agree. You know, I feel like you mentioned Jalen when he when he came in and then ran. And then fumbled, you know, part of me, just my heart sank. I was like, this, this can't be how this story ends. This can't be, you know, a, you that, that he comes in and, and he's been known for ball protection. And so you think the first play he comes in and he fumbles and it's a run at the goal line. And you think, well, of course, he's going to come in and run ball by, by the goal line. You know, the fake there would have been to actually hand it off, you know, because everyone, everyone would have, would have keyed on him. He could have more dramatically, you know, acted like he was going to run and sort of did a, you know, a, the, the handoff. And I think that would have been the better fake. And so
0: well, we've taken need to, everybody away from Damien. Correct. Right. Yes. Right.
1: And so yes. what I, what I think that in, you know, in the, this is something that we sort of get down a rabbit hole on. I don't think it was a bad play call necessarily because he's athletic and you get him in space. I understand the, the design there. And I don't disagree with the design. I just think in that moment, you think he's just come in, let's get a snap under his belt and Hey, by the way, everyone in the stadium thinks he's going to run the ball so maybe we don't do that the first time out right. That, right that's kind of where my head was you know um on that and you mentioned you know like we we talked about the the pass to uh to Keith that was nice i was glad you know i was even i was even kidding like you know we're at the goal line we're at the you know the down and distance there and you know Keith is a tall tall receiver and doesn't get a lot of run i was like ah keith get you one
0: and then and then he did so i thought well that's fun to see yeah, yeah. But just to point that out real quick. The only reason I pointed out that throw is because I don't think that play happens that way if Tua wasn't in the game right there. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I think by having both of these quarterbacks, Saban is going to be able to really keep defenses on their on their on their heels, and you know you're they're going to be able to throw a lot at them because there's things that Jalen I think you know is going to bring to the table, and there's things that Tua is going to bring to the table.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know, one of the – I 100% agree, right? And that can keep a – you know, that can keep a defense off balance, which you certainly want to do. And not that you want to run to a a whole lot, but you want him to do that, and he's capable, and you want Jalen to really step up his passing game so it doesn't look like, oh, they have a passing quarterback and a running quarterback. And so you can almost default how you change your defense to accommodate that. You would still have to prepare for both but you don't want them to automatically know here's what they're going to do based on who's in the game. And to do that, I feel like you really need Jalen to take the step, and I think he really did take the step. Now, every silver silver lining has a cloud, and so the one thought that I would put into play, and it was Arkansas State, so I get it, Um, but you don't want to have a set place in the game the fourth possession where you're rotating rotating out the quarterback, much like we used to do with the running back. I think you can do that at the running back, but at the quarterback, they need a rhythm. They need a pace. And so, you know, this week against Ole Miss, who who is going to put up, you know, potentially more points. And when we get in the conference games and when we get into uh, a more meatier part of the schedule, I don't think that you can just categorically say on the fourth possession, we're putting the other quarterback in, regardless of of sort of the who's or what's I think you need the starter to maintain a rhythm and maybe it's the second half, or maybe it's late in the first quarter, or or second quarter rather, or or maybe it's not until late in the third quarter. It just depends on the flow of the game. But I don't think that you can do that every week at a at a prescripted time. And that's sort of that's my my theory. That's my thought. What do you think about that?
0: No, I agree. Um, I think it's going to be situation based. I was surprised that I was surprised that Tua missed, you know, I was surprised that when Jalen did come in, he came in for as many series in a row as he did, yeah. you know, because Tua pretty much sat out the, the whole second quarter for the most part, and then was able to come in at the very end of the quarter. And so that speaks to your, you know, different cadence and different way of doing things. And you don't want to be one series, one quarterback in one series, the, the next. Right? right. And so I envision, I envision Jalen is going to get, two or three series a game if if they have 10 series i think you'll see him 20 or 30% of the game
1: no i, and, I think you're right i think i think you're right i thought it was telling also and we saw this against Louisville it's telling that tua comes in you know with 2 3 minutes left at the half specifically to come in and get reps in the 2 minute offense
0: yes and um and then he comes out to start the second half, right? And mm-hmm. and so he can he can kind of build on you know finishing the half and building on that to start the you know to start the second half. Um, do me a favor and and just speak. I, I was touching on the offensive line for a second, and and you know just something else that jumped out at me quickly on that touchdown that Tua threw, you know you know, Jedrick, uh, Jedrick, uh, Wills and Alex Leatherwood were the, were the, you know, guards and tackles respectively on that play. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously Alex Leatherwood, you know, as everybody knows had come in at left tackle in the national championship game and, you know, came in and, and, you know, had a lot of success. Right. Um, so, so he's being asked to, to play guard here and, you know, Jedrick is in because, you know, Jonah's moved over to left tackle or excuse me, uh, Jedricks in because of matt being out you know as of you know whenever he had his issue a few weeks ago and so against a team like this which is obviously a lower opponent you you saw you saw chinks in the armor okay you you saw you saw challenges and and repeatedly i saw you know issues that the right side of the line was having they were struggling. And, um, and and you could see that. And, and there was numerous times that Tua had a lot of pressure when he was in and, um, you know, just had to use his athleticism and, and his ability to improvise, you know, to extend the plays. And so, you know, I look forward to Matt coming back, uh, you know, no offense to Jedrick, but I, I, I look forward to a veteran coming. Right now, you got two young guys together who really can't lean on each other. They've got Ross on the other side. But I look forward to Matt coming back, and if if Alex is going to continue to be the guy there at right guard, I, I I like a situation better where you got Matt on one side and Ross on the other side of him, and and let Jedrick kind of come in more situationally.
1: Well, you went somewhere that it begs the question now. So so you think that <clears throat> you think that uh, when when Matt Womack comes back that he takes back over that right tackle spot?
0: Yes, I do. Or that that's yeah that that's that's my hope. Because I, I think that I think that right now the right side of the line seems to be where the struggles are. So yeah. you 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 think he might come back in a different place?
1: Well, I I think it's going to be I think it's going to be very interesting to tell, right? I think the young guys, Leatherwood and 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 Jedrick, you know, they had spring practice when Matt was out, and then late fall camp and early season, and so at some point. Do they really, does their development really kick in and do they gel and, and they sort of Wally Pip, um, you know, Matt and he's not able to sort of crack the lineup again? I don't know. I think that's going to be very interesting to to track. That's going to be certainly something to watch. Uh, You know, you don't want a player to lose his job to injury. Um, If the, if the play, if the line continues to, and I was going to talk about the offensive line. I mean, they looked okay, but they didn't look great. And to your point, the right side of the line, uh, you know, really, you know, had had less, had more issues than the left side. And so I think that we'll continue to experiment when Matt comes back and we'll see. I'm not ready to slam dunk it, but, but I, I don't disagree with your point either. Uh, and it'll be, a, that'll be, you know, that'll be a physical week in, in camp, right? When, or in practice, when Matt comes back and he's cleared the, the practice, that'll, I think that'll liven up some of the, um, some of the competition there. I think the line has, you know, they've not fully gelled And, and I know it's second week of the season and they need to gel, you know, very quickly. I don't know if Matt's the missing ingredient or if they just need more time. Did they get lazy late in the game? And I use that word cautiously, but did they get, you know, sort of lazy late in the game, in a hot game, in a very, very hot game and the starting offensive line played, you know, well into the game, I would have expected them to take over um, to take over the line of scrimmage. And I think that's what Saban was, you know, we're going to leave them in there. This is the series where they're going to, they're going to, uh, take over. They're going to assert their will. And, and they never really did. I was going to talk about that in the context of the running backs, you know, Najee Harris had, you know, a career day, 13 carries for 135 yards, but there was a hell of a lot of individual effort there. There was not, you know, gaping holes that you would think late in the game that, that the Alabama running backs would receive. I thought, man, how,
0: against an an Arkansas state,
1: State, right? I read, you know, I, I thought, I thought, man, poor Arkansas state at this stage in the game, they have to face a fresh Brian, Brian Robinson. And well, they were up to the challenge, right? Because the offensive line wasn't busting those, those holes that you would expect them to. So I was a little disappointed in the play of the offensive line. I don't disagree with where you took it with uh, with Matt coming back,
0: and I will also tell you, you know, right now I, I think the jury is still out. Um, I think the jury is still out on on right guard as well, and this is taking nothing away from Alex because Alex came in when they needed him at left tackle in the second half of that Georgia game, and he came in and under very difficult circumstances. Okay, and so I I, I acknowledge that. Um, but maybe his thing is tackle, right? Maybe he's mm-hmm. still figuring out the guard thing. And so if I'm Josh Kasher, you know i i'm 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 picking it up another notch because I, I want to see if I can get my chance over there at right guard a little bit.
1: yeah, I think I think it it could still be very interesting. I mean, do you move cotton back to the right guard? He was right guard last year. And so do you move cotton back to the right guard and, you know, maybe Alex between Jonah and Pierce Baker? At at the left guard, maybe that helps him out. Uh, one thing that that's sort of underrated is the lefty quarterback, right? His blind side is the right side. And so, you know, I don't think you move Jonah back over, but do you move Cotton back over? And does that give you a little bit of stability over there? Um, I don't know. That may be interesting to see. Maybe when Matt comes back, Lester moves back over and then you just pocket someone between, you know, Jonah and Ross, and and maybe that gives you some stability. So I think I think you're on to something. There's an interesting topic there where the line has been set so early in camp, Matt went out, that the line has been set. I think Jonah and, and – and or uh, um, Jedrick and, and Alex sort of swapped positions a little bit, but it's been set for a long time. Set in such a way you think that that's going to carry – through the season i think when matt comes back we may see some movement across the offensive line that may be a a storyline that breaks catches everyone off guard except for you
0: all right so tell me tell me what else jumps out at you on offense before we flip the field
1: you know i like just the dynamic play of josh jacobs um you know his numbers didn't jump off the page but just the just the dynamic play that he brings to the game, even just checking down, he had three catches for 23 yards. That's mighty productive, you know, is a, is a check down receiver. You know, you can unpack that a couple of different ways. We had eight different guys catch passes. I think that's good. Um, You know, I think it's the result, it's the revolving door and it's a good revolving door, but it's the revolving door of the wide receiver with the best stats. And, you know, last week that was Smitty this week, it was uh, Jerry Judy, um, you know, next week, you know, who knows who, who it could be. And that's, that is fantastic, right? Who knows who it could be, but go be the defensive coordinator to try to figure that out. That's going to be, that's, that will be fun to unpack week over week over week.
0: No, absolutely. You know, one other thing I want to get your thoughts on very quickly, because, you know, Damien came back, right. Which was yeah. fantastic news. And he's coming back under a different situation than he's been the last two years, right? The last two years that Jalen has been the quarterback, he has rushed for, you know, consecutive a thousand yard seasons. And we obviously have had to rely on the run, you know, because Jalen has, you know, and well, okay, A, that's what we do. Right. But B um, you know, Jalen has struggled in the passing game. Right. And so, you know, I was thinking about with this game, um, with this Arkansas State game, that, you know, granted, he got 12 carries and Najee got 13. And like you said, Najee had to make something out of nothing a few times. But but Damon, Damon didn't, didn't get to be the workhorse. Um, and I think in part because we are spreading the ball around the field so much, right? Because we do have, you know, such a talented group of receivers. You know, I'm going to tell you, uh, and I hope this prediction comes wrong, but – you know, Damien would be the first one to have three consecutive thousand yard seasons. And I don't think he's going to get there. I, I think that I think that I think that how we have provided everyone stays healthy and provided we're able to pitch the ball around to these talented receivers, you know, this might be the first year that that this Alabama rushing game is going to look a little different.
1: Yeah, I hear you, and and I and I do want that to be wrong. I do want him to get the a thousand yards, and and that's something I've kind of been looking at. What does he get in a week over week? I was hoping he'd get a hundred yard day. Uh, you know, he did not. He looks, his burst looks. Uh, he looks faster. He looks stronger. Uh, everything about Damian looks. Uh, you know, more dynamic than he has in the prior years, and so it looks like he's even better than he was, and so getting 1,000 shouldn't be a problem. Um, you know, the issue is, the issue is the issue, right? Josh Jacobs is back healthy. Um, that, you know, that's certainly going to take some carries. Najee is, you're not going to be able to not give him the ball, and so uh, coaches talked about, you know, if somebody has a hot hand, you know, we want to, we may give them some extra carries, and you know, we might we may be hard pressed to find many games where Najee doesn't have a hot hand just because he's he is that talented. So I am hopeful that we're able to work in carries. Maybe as we get into a conference lineup, we've seen Sabin, you know, like a basketball coach, right? You get into playoffs and the roster, you know, the bench gets smaller, right? Uh, the 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 playing rotation gets a little bit smaller. And we've seen that with Saban in, in some regards too, when we get into tougher games it's a smaller group of people that, that he has, you know, the higher degree of confidence in. And so I, I want to, I want to say that with a nod that, you know, Damien may still get an increased opportunity. I want to be careful that, you know, then who is outside of that. And does that speak poorly of them? I don't, I don't want that to be true either. So.
0: Yeah. It'll be interesting to keep watching because like in this game, they, they carry, they had 44 carries, right. But you got two quarterbacks who are mobile. And so Jalen in the, you know, I do find it interesting in the limited time that Jalen was in there compared to Tua, he had five carries Yeah, Tua only had four carries. Right. And then Brian Robinson and Josh each only got five each. They didn't get a lot, but you had 44, you know, 44 rushes and Damien only got 12 of them. Yeah. So that'll just be something interesting to watch.
1: Yeah. I like Um, to
0: think that we're keeping them healthy, but you know, who knows? Right. Yeah. Well tell me, uh, flip the field for me. What, what jumped out at you on defense?
1: Ah, give me a mini game ball.
0: You know, that that's tough, man. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna have to tell you that I, I think as far in in the spirit of the mini game ball, uh, I guess I should probably screw it up my first week back. Of um, and and so I'm gonna go ahead and I'm I'm gonna go ahead and give it to. Well, no, okay, I'll be nice. I won't screw it up. I'll I'll give it to um I'll give it to Brian Robinson. Okay. I was going to give it to Najee Harris, but that would not be the the spirit of the mini game ball because of what you said. I mean, just his pure athleticism and what he did on some of his carries. I'm going to give it to Brian Robinson because when this guy comes in, uh, you know, the announcers always talk about Josh Jacobs being able to start a lot of places. Well, guess what? Brian Robinson could could too, right? And there's just so many people out there in America that are selfish and all about me and all about me. And granted, I understand Brian's a local kid but he's sitting here coming in at fourth string and he knows it, right? Yep. And Damien came back and, and all that, but he's still there. You know what I'm saying? And that's what kind of makes college football neat. So I, I'm just happy for him that that he's still there as, as good of a running back as he is and uh, contributing when his number gets called.
1: You know, I think he's going to go on to have an incredible career. And, and it's almost like you know, when we had Eddie Lacy was the third running back and, and we played a shorter running back bench at the time. But you know, we had we had the days where there was Mark Ingram, Trent Richardson, and Eddie Lacy. And it was like Eddie who? And and I was like, damn, that's Eddie Lacy. And and so I think that Brian Robinson is going to and I'm not comparing him to Eddie Lacy. I'm just comparing him to like the circumstance, right? Like next year it'll be like, damn, Eddie Lacy's good, or damn, Brian Robinson's good. I think I think that's what we're going to see over the course of his career. Uh, and there was a point, there was a Wisconsin running back, I can't think of his name, that was the star running back coming out in, in the draft. It was highly touted. And the draft pundits were saying, you know, this Wisconsin running back. And, and they were talking about, yeah, and Eddie Lacy's, you know, pretty good too. And, and, and more than one person I heard say, yeah, but Alabama wears out the running backs. And I thought, oh, my God, do you understand what you're saying? And so I went back and and went back to Eddie Lacy's career and added up the number of carries that he had in his career, and he had less carries in his career than that Wisconsin running back had in his junior year. And I thought, well, you tell me who the fresher running back is. And so I think Robinson is going to be one of those players where it's going to be like, he's not going to have a lot of, a lot of action on him, but next season he's going to have a phenomenal season, probably go pro and still have a lot of tread on his tires.
0: No, absolutely. Well, who, uh, who, who are you going to give that mini game ball to?
1: So I'm going to go really quick on my mini game ball. And then I'm going to tell you a Najee story. I'm giving my mini game ball to Irv Smith. I had a couple of guys noted. We talked about the other one. And so to go a podcast, and not talk about uh, a tight end who had a touchdown and a couple of big catches. I think you got to give the nod to Irv Smith. I think he is separating himself amongst the tight ends and really uh, proving himself as a weapon. So that is that is absolutely fun to fun to see. Uh, I'll tell you a quick Najee story. I was walking out of the stadium and I went to around the north side of the stadium, which I typically don't do, and the buses were were lined up. And so sometimes it amazes me how quick after a game the players will come out and, and be ready to leave. And so I, I was walking out and Najee was and, and then all of a sudden I found that I'm walking, you know, like three feet away, but I'm walking next to Najee Harris. And I was like, wow, OK. And he has uh, what kind of struck me is he's wearing a sock on one foot, no shoe. And he's wearing a boot on the other shoe, like a walking boot. And I was like, well, okay, I'm not upset about that because he just had a phenomenal day. And he's had a boot through most of camp. So this is a protective measure. And then, and But he's walking like as fast as he can walk. He wants to get into the bus, doesn't want to be recognized, doesn't want to be. And this douchey fan, like four or five feet from Najee, just turns and yell. Like when he sees him, just turns and yell and says, roll Todd!" just as loud as he can. And Naji just does not even acknowledge him; just keeps on walking. I thought that's pretty funny. And then the screeching voice from behind says, "Naji Harris," and it's and it's this woman, and just like just yelling, "Naji Harris, Naji Harris!" And he does not even acknowledge; doesn't look; just heads down, keeps walking. And he t- and this woman's running, and she t- and he turns, steps up on the bus, and this woman goes to follow him up the bus. And I'm like, "Oh, that's not going to end well." And she said. Najee Harris, son. (laughs) And he stops. And as I'm walking by, you can hear him say, oh, mama, that's you. I'm sorry. (laughs) I just got the biggest kick out of, he did not want to be disturbed. He was not looking around, didn't want to acknowledge, engage anyone. But when mama, when he knows knows it was mama, he stops and turns around. And then then by that time I've walked off, but I just got the biggest kick out of that. So I thought I'd share that with everybody.
0: Oh man, that is hilarious. He knew when he heard that word "son." He he was like, "Oh, that's my
1: mama! I gotta stop talking to her." I just got the biggest kick out of that. It was, that was, that was just one of those things that you know you experience it and is is pretty neat. Talk to me about uh, defense. How the how the plied? uh, How did the uh, tide stop squad go?
0: You know, man, it obviously was a good test for them as as we talked about at the beginning of the show. You know, going against a team that does drop back 40, 50 times a game, and you know is in an empty formation and. You know, is 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 trying to spread the ball around. Um, you know what, what what concerns me for this for this team right now is just the lack of depth. You know, it's it's obviously you know they uh, fortunately because of uh, the play of the defense they only had the ball. Uh, Arkansas uh, Arkansas State only had the ball for 28 minutes. Um, they were able to get off the field uh you know when they needed to and uh you know third down efficiency you know Arkansas State was only 4 for 19 which was awesome uh you know which is something that you know Saban is big on and so i think the defense played well I, I think the i think the ones played well right i'm just concerned as you look at this depth chart you know there's just not a lot of depth on that on that offensive line and so obviously we're running our base nickel but we're we're relying a lot on you know Six guys, and you know, after those six guys, you know, like when bugs went down, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, because I mean, literally, you've you've, you know, you've got bugs and Williams and Raquan Davis and Jennings, and then Mac Wilson and Dylan Moses, and those are the six guys you're relying on. Nothing against the other guys, but those are the guys you saw most of the game, and and the and the the other team only had the ball for 28 minutes. So I I just hope we're able to build some depth here because I think this is one of the this is one of the thinnest front sevens I think Saban's had in many years.
1: It really is, and it—I <clears throat> want to say—it's a fragile front seven, and and I don't mean that the players are injury prone, but it's it's fragile in the sense that, like the starters, I would put them against almost anyone, but it gets it gets thin very quick, and uh, there's not a lot behind the curtain. Right now, we got to see some development, but there's not a lot behind the curtain behind the starters, right? And so you mentioned bugs, and I really like bugs. I really like Raekwon. I think Quinnen's really going to come on this year. I even like Le'Bron Ray. But after those four, what do you got? You don't you don't have a lot, right? And I would take that front, that four against almost any other defensive line in the country, but. We don't have a lot after that, and and in the preseason show, I was I was sort of saying Tavita Mas, uh, Masaka Masaka the uh, the um, the JUCO transfer that he really really needs to step into a role, and who I'm seeing and enjoying is Fild- Fildarian Mathis, uh, you know for a 300 you know 300 plus pounder, uh, he looks a lot better this season than he did you know, last season, his weight distribution, even though it's still a big number, his weight distribution, uh, looks good. And he is, he's very nimble and, 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 and moves around and he wears number 48. And so I see him sort of running around. I'm like 48, 48, you know, I, you expect a big boy like that to wear a nineties number. Right. And he's runs around 48. And I caught myself a couple of times having to, who is that? And I was like, oh, that's Mathis, man, he looks athletic. And so I think I think there's raw material there. It just needs to develop. Um, And then you mentioned at the linebacker core, it's even worse there. You know, think about the players that are no longer, you know, Chris Allen was injured in camp. We're certainly missing, you know, missing him that, uh, you know, Vandarius Cowan, who was, you know, kicked off the team. uh, We're missing him there. You know, Terrell Terrell Lewis, we're certainly absolutely missing him. And, I, you know, Tommy, I'll even say we're missing Keith Holcomb. And so if you could take our starting linebacker and insert those four as the backups, and then, you know, today's backup is, is really the third team, I might feel better about the linebacker core, but we don't have it yet. And so we've got players like Markel Benton, and I'm not mad at him, but when he was on the field, he just looked lost and didn't know where to line up. And I don't know if that's coaching communication or if that's him literally not knowing where to line up. But when I see the backups come in and I see them lost, and, and you think, man,
0: you are second team here. I, we need you to, to to have more than this. Well, uh, and, and, and and to your point, man, when I, when I talk about those, those six guys, right? I mean, Jennings has had injury issues. Miller's had issues. Wilson's had issues. Moses has had issues, right? And so this is taking nothing away from these guys, right? I'm just saying that, that, like, you know, going into this season, I said, you know, for the first time in a while, we might have to outscore some people, right? Yeah. The offense might have to outscore some people. And so what's interesting is, is there's going to – I guess what I want to point out for the listeners is there's really going to have to be a concerted effort on Saban's part – to sometimes not score too quickly. I mean, that sounds crazy, but like, like there were some quick strikes in this game, and thank goodness Arkansas – okay, because Arkansas State is a pass-happy team, right? They yep. didn't have the ball but 28 minutes. But if I'm an SEC team going into this schedule, buddy, I'm going to try to run the ball 50 times a game, and I'm going to try to keep them on the field for 38 minutes time of possession because I know they don't go deep. I guess that's what I'm saying is there's yeah. going to have to be a really concerted effort to manage the game within the game because you have such a depth issue.
1: Well, you saw last year Mississippi State almost won the game doing that exact, exact thing. You know, we're going to keep the Alabama offense off the field and intentionally we're going to keep their defense on and they almost won that game. Uh, and so I think we are more thin at the linebacker and the defensive line position this year than we were last year. And we saw that almost work last year.
0: No, absolutely. So I just I just wanted to point that out because I think the I think the starters played well. Uh, I think guys like LeBron Ray, you know, came in and provided some quality minutes, and and I think Mathis did. And you know, we we you know we had some other guys come in and get some playing time. But you know, everybody focuses on the young secondary in the national publications. But the fact that we have one of the thinnest front sevens that we've ever had since Saban's been there you've always uh, a young secondary years ago could lean on that experience depth in the front. Well, they can't lean on that now. So I think that's going to be interesting.
1: Yeah. We don't have a lot, you know, nobody can lean on anybody because everybody needs help because everybody needs to lean on something. Right. And so we, we don't have that as a bedrock like we've like we've had now I'll say that I like there's the potential there and I want to see it. I want to see it develop. You know, I like the way Quinn's plan, uh, I like the way Phil Mathis is playing. I still want to see Tavita, you know, step up. He looks like a big uh, uh, Jamie Carter back in the day, right? And so we used to call him, <laughs> we used to call him Hamburger Hamburger, and uh, and and Tavita, you know, sort of looks the same. But if he can come in and play the same, if he can play like Joshua Fraser did last year, I think that that could that could really help us. And so I think there's help on the way there. It just needs some time. We needed to get there quick. I like Eab uh, Anoma at the at the outside linebacker. I think you know he has some good speed off the end. If he could play, you know, something that resembles a Tim Williams role, I think that can help us. And I like Ali um, You know, true freshman that we got late in the process. I I think that you know, and he joined even after fall camp. I think if he can bulk up a little bit, and you know, by midseason, we may see some more production from him, so I think I think there's some help there. It's just not ready yet, and it needs to get ready really, really quick. Um, just talk about the secondary, though. I think we haven't yet, and you brought you brought him up. What do you think of the secondary?
0: You know, um, the uh, the biggest thing that's going to help this young secondary is. They have more athletic, take nothing away from the guys who have come before them. Let me preface this. But I think if you look at them as a unit, they, as a unit, as a whole, they seem more athletic to me than prior secondaries as a whole, when you put them all together. And so they all have a lot of range. They can, they can make up space. They can, they can make up whenever they have a misstep, they can help each other out. I think Deontay Thompson and Xavier McKinney's range in the back end is going to help this team a great deal because they have the ability to to disguise a a blitz from 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage. And with their athleticism, they're able to get to the – affect the quarterback, even starting back so far back on the hash. And, And that is something that you typically might get from one safety that's typically the free safety but not the free safety and the strong safety. Having them both.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. Their range is incredible. Uh, It's almost like, and and I guess I've never thought of this. This will be awkward to say out loud. It's almost like having two ha-ha Clinton Dix's back there.
0: Well, I just started to say what you have right now. Okay. Remember how we said years ago that Saban was the first to invent the three starting quarterback cornerbacks? Yes. You have two free safeties. Take nothing away from McKinney. McKinney's being asked to play strong safety. He is mm-hmm. not your typical prototypical size of a strong safety, right? And so I think you have two free safeties on the field yeah, who both have the ability to be physical like a strong safety but have the lateral range that, that only a free safety has. And so we might look back at the end of the season and say what really helped this team is having two free safeties on the field to help out these young cornerbacks,
1: yeah. Now let's talk about the young cornerbacks, though, because I like, you know, the athleticism is there. 100 percent agree there. Uh, I like the ability, the capability that I'm seeing. You know, Savion Smith had a big interception return to a touch for a touchdown. By the way, he's running around wearing number four. And and I have to check myself like Christopher Allen. Yeah, he's got to stop
0: doing that. Yeah, he's got to <laughs> stop doing that.
1: It's like, come on now. I know the rosters. You can't mess me up that way. But uh, you know he he is looking really good. I mean he had a starting job at at LSU a couple years ago, so you knew that he would come in with some capability. He's just got to learn the system. Uh, you know Patrick Sertain I thought looked really good. I saw his dad after the game as well, and so it was neat to kind of see. But uh, you know he played <clears throat> he played a lot on Saturday uh, to to the point that it looked like Trayvon uh, Trayvon Diggs was taken out, and I think he spent some time at star, and then Shai Carter came out for a little bit. Uh, and so we kind of, we're mixing it up and I don't know if there's an emerging rotation, if we're still trying to, you know, fit, you know, parts and pieces together. But I think if you, if you look at a tool shed that has <clears throat> McKinney, Thompson, Savion, Sertain, Diggs, uh, Shai Carter, I think that's a lot of raw material to work with. And I can find, you know, four or five, six guys I'd like to have on the field out of that bunch.
0: Well, but like we talked about with depth on the front seven, right, right now, you know, poor Jalen, you know, has a knee injury in warmups and, and he yeah. was, you know, Saban called him his fifth cornerback, right? So that means Patrick Sertain is your fourth quarterback, cornerback. Yep. So essentially in your depth chart, your four and five guys are true freshmen, right? And so, so right now, and and Trevon Diggs, you know, you know where he came from, right? On the other side of the ball, right? So, so right now you're sitting here with two new safeties. You've got a a you know, a transfer who's come in, thank goodness he's got some SEC pedigree in Smith. You got a converted wide receiver, and then backing him up, you got two freshmen, and one of the freshmen just tore his knee in warm-ups. Yeah. So right now in the depth chart, Sertain is listed behind Smith and Diggs. And he's a true freshman, so kind of like what you said earlier with with guys like Mathis. You know, unfortunately, Sertain's going to have to grow up very quickly. Yeah, and I think he's got the aptitude to do it. I mean, I think that
1: you know he's he's a type of player. You know, Savion wasn't you know doing what what he's doing, and and Trayvon, I and I hate to say this about the the guy, but you know he lost his job last year. He had he started the season and he lost the job last year. I hate to say, I hate to call that a pattern. Uh, I guess it's easy to kind of look for a pattern there. I don't know if that's going to hold true this year if he if he maintains the job. Obviously, I hope he does because that means he's playing well. But I I think that that Patrick Sertain looks like a guy that's going to be hard to keep off the field. So the fact that he's inching up the the roster, I don't think has to be a bad thing. Uh, but at the same time, you're putting a lot of faith in 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 a true freshman out there. So.
0: Well, obviously, this team has done this in years past, right? With some really good cornerbacks who are now, you know, playing NFL on Sundays, right? right? right. So, so obviously, it's not like Sertain can't can't follow in footsteps of some really, really good cornerbacks before him, right? And maybe, and maybe Diggs and and Carter end up, you know, making each other better, vying for the star, right? right? I mean, that's okay. I'm just pointing out the fact that you know we're thin all on that side of the ball. And we probably as a unit more so than we have been in a long time.
1: Yeah. Well, I, you know, I like Patrick Sertain's bloodlines, right? I like his pedigree. Um, You know, his dad played in the NFL quite a number of years, uh, you know, multi-time pro bowler. So I like, I like what he brings. He's not, you know, got off the street, right? I think he brings a little bit more than, than what an ordinary true freshman would. And so I think that probably helps, um, you know, helps the the process there as well. So it'll be, it'll be, I think, I mean, at every level, I think we've got parts and pieces that we can, we can assemble some depth in, you know, from, I think we have more of that. We have more raw material in the secondary than we do in the front seven.
0: No, that's fair. Now something else I want to point out very quickly, when we did go to the dime and we brought in uh, Jared Maiden, uh, we yep. put him in the, yep. you know, back of the defense. And we dropped McKinney down in the box the way we used to do Harrison, right? Yeah. And so what was interesting is is they they took Mac Wilson and put him beside McKinney in the box, and then they they would try to give Dylan Moses a breather in that situation and bring in Christian Miller, you know, because he's very adept at rushing off the edge. So I found it interesting that you know we would stay with three down linemen, six DBs, and we would keep two linebackers in the game. Yep, and 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 they were able to. Hey, Saban just does such a really, really good job of of accentuating people's positives and putting people in situations where they're good at. So Mac Wilson is really – Mac Wilson almost had an interception because he's really good at that, right? Yeah. He's really good at that nickel linebacker spot. And Dylan Moses is really good at going after the passer, and so is Miller. And so if anybody can make the depth thing work, he can because he he, he just knows where to move the chess pieces. I agree.
1: I agree. And that was a good call out on Jared Maiden. We talked about the defensive backs there for a while. And uh, you know, he definitely is the starter there as the uh is the dime
0: back. Um, talk to me about your defensive mini game ball. All right. So mini game ball uh for me. Um I'm going to you know, I'm gonna give it to Anthony Jennings. Okay. Um and I know he's I know he's a highlighter and, and but I know that this guy, we really missed this guy when this guy was banged up. And of all the guys last – of all the guys who were putting consistent pressure uh, on the quarterback on Saturday, you know, Jennings is – he's a Courtney Upshaw type of guy, man. He reminds me a lot of Courtney Upshaw. Yep. And, and he affects the game. And I think this – the success of this front seven is going to depend on him in large part.
1: No, I think that's a good pick. I I, I see that in him as well. I wish and – I, and I take nothing away from Christian Miller – um, I I wish Terrell Lewis were on the other side because I I like them as bookends probably better than I like Jennings and um and, and Christian. And I don't know why I feel that way because I really like Christian Miller as well, but but uh, I think Terrell brings something there. But Anfernee Anthony, Anthony is, is, is quite a player and uh, has certainly been one of my favorites. And I do see, not only in his, in his play, but in his body type, uh, I do see some Courtney Upshaw there. So I think that's a good pick. I'm going uh, with my mini game ball. I'm going with uh, one of the few members of the secondary that we didn't mention. Uh, and I was purposely hoping his name wouldn't come up. I'm going Daniel Wright. Uh, He ended up being the number two, um, the number two uh, dime back. And so it was good to see him in there. Uh, He actually was third on the team in tackles on the game. He had five tackles, two pass breakups, and he looked like he was in control when he was out there telling people where to line up, motioning, you know, communicating with, um, you know, almost like Landon Collins used to do when we, when we moved him back uh, to the free safety, just so he could direct traffic and get people lined up right. That I saw a little bit of that in in Daniel Wright, and, and he's a guy that injured 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 his shoulder, and you know they talked to his parents and talked with him about you know you probably do need surgery on this, but you could make the decision to sort of rehab it and play uh, versus you know surgery and then be out for the season. And so he's a guy that. I respect and appreciate not only for that decision, but for to come in and play like he did in the game in that in that uh, that role. I was really pleased with Daniel Wright, and I would say even as we're seeing shuffling and continue to see shuffling, I would say don't rule out Daniel Wright. I think that uh, I think he's gonna you know he's still gonna be in the mix. I think uh, for the top six, one of the top six uh, players in the secondary.
0: All right, very good. Well, let's go ahead and talk about the uh, dreaded special teams here. Give me, well, give me your, give me your thoughts on this here. Uh, I saw something that I think we had missed four extra points in like three or four years, and yep. and we're 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 doing something about that record so far this year.
1: Yeah, we're going to shatter it, right? Um, I don't know how you miss. You know, we've missed three on the season, uh, two on the day. You, I just ugh is 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 kind of the way the way I think about it. You know, we did hit. A 39-yard field goal, but you know that makes me think of Chris Rock. Right? You don't get credit for doing the things you're supposed to do. <laughs> you know, so you made a 39-yard field goal. Well, good. That's what you're supposed to do. Uh, as, as a college kicker in a big-time big-time program. Uh, what you're not supposed to do is miss two PATs. And so that is something. It's almost it. It's almost like the football guides are just having fun with Alabama and, and the con, you know, in the kicking game, we used to say like, Oh man, if you have a bad kicker, it's going to cost you a game at some point in the season. And, you know, knock on wood that hasn't happened yet. And so now we just can't even make PATs. And and it's just, it's just like, it's like the pimple on the ass of the supermodel or something like that's, it's not supposed to be there. And it doesn't diminish like the overall, you know, success of the program, but can't you do better than that? You know, it's just one of those funny things.
0: No, absolutely, man. And then and then to add insult to injury, you know, uh our our little brother over there, you know, they're they're able to, you know, bring in the, you know, younger brother of the phenomenal kicker who was also an Alabama fan and and you know, they can just drill 54 yarders. Yeah. So it's like, what in the crap, man? I, I mean, when you talk about karma, right? I mean, I mean literally, you know, the the you know, you got you got two in the same family and and they're, you know, both going to our little brother. So, so are we going to have to rely on some 50 something yarders this year? I I don't think we are, thank goodness, as long as two is there, but it definitely, it did not surprise me. uh, It did not surprise me that, that shortly after the couple misses, you know, that, that he was, uh, he was, you know, he, he went and, he went and sought out the other kicker and, and it did not surprise me that that you saw a ninety-seven jersey on the next uh on the next attempt.
1: Yeah, I agree. And and you know, and even you know, even the 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 transfer, you know, the grad transfer from, from Temple, you thought that's going to provide some stability. You know, every grad transfer kicker in the country should be lining up. Like I I have it, I can go win a ring uh by just you know, by doing what I'm already going to be doing at at the school I'm at, um, er, I mean, every kicker in the country, right, should be lining up. Uh, I mean, we used to say, you know, tryouts on the quad, right? Well, now we've got this grad transfer rule. We should have it should be a glorified tryout uh, this off because you would think, I mean, if you can put your shoes on and 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 have some experience kicking the ball, that uh, there's a chance to actually come start at Alabama, which is just phenomenal. You would think that that wouldn't be true.
0: No, absolutely. Um, well, obviously, uh, the the fair catch rule changes. You know, changes special teams for Saban. Uh, obviously, changes. You know, what what he uh, what I think. You know, he was trying to do when he would intentionally kick the ball to one side of the end zone or right at the goal line. You know, and try to you know try to pin him inside the twenty five. You know, just your thoughts on that, real quick, because that obviously changes uh, changes a little bit of of uh, you know scheme for him
1: yeah it does um <clears throat> so you know in the spirit of two things can be true at once right i 100% am in favor of taking you know what what i will call unnecessary violence out of the game it's football it's still going to be physical there's still going to be hard hits there's going to be you know in in the course of the play of the game those things are going to exist i don't i'm not arguing that kickoffs have been proven to be you know, statistically where a greater percentage of injury, injuries happen. So I'm okay with the philosophy that says, let's try to make that a safer part of the game. Okay. So I, I, I'm to that point. I'm not to the point where you can just get a fair catch anywhere um, on, on a kickoff. I am much more aligned and, and not just because Saban says it, but I'm more of in alignment with Saban's approach that says, move up the kickoff, move up the kickoff where more kicks go into the end zone, more kicks, you know, are, are not going to be returned and, and address it that way, but don't take football out of football. And by that mean, you know, by that it's strategy. And so what you do is you are let you are safeguarding people that are prone to making dumb decisions Um, We'll let people still make dumb decisions with their possession of the ball, but still, you know, protect the population at large. Right. And so that's kind of where I am at that. It takes strategy out of, and, and you talk about it, right. You know, Alabama's approach to kickoff was, was, you know, short kick, um, and then either the ball is going to roll into the end zone or, or whatever. But you take the strategy out of it, and and I, and I kind of I, – I hate that. I regret that. I would go back to – and it's my old thing, right? Move up the kickoff and count the yardage that anything short of the 25 is minus yards. And, and so when more kicks are going to go into the end zone and players see their stats impacted, well, then that shit will correct itself. So under like I said so I understand the spirit of what they're trying to do. I just think it could have been done differently and better.
0: No, I agree. I just I wanted your thoughts on that because I think that you know that it's almost like a, another rule to try to stump st- Saban, right at least, yeah. <laughs> at least that's the way I think of it. One other thing I'll say very quickly, I was a little concerned about our pump protection you know Keaton Anderson uh, you know kudos to him for all the effort he's giving. Uh, he was the outside. He was the outside left guy on the three-man protection, right in front of Skylar uh, Delong. Yep. Uh, a couple times, I think that that he struggled uh, with a more physical person coming in him at a at a you know who had a head start, and uh, that could have been a block punt there. And um, if I'm teams watching that in film, uh, I see an opportunity to maybe try to do something about that when we get into the SEC schedule.
1: Yeah, I think you're on to something. I you know I think Skylar has certainly some development to do. Uh, it will it will ease his development if if he's not under pressure, and so you know uh, Keaton Anderson may not be long for that position. I think that's certainly fair. Uh, and then Jalen Waddle was bottled up, you know, Saturday. That's not all surprising. I think Saban, you know, had the stat where you know Arkansas State allowed eight yards punt return in all of last season, which is almost magical. You know, you think how that might happen, but you know, you put the ball up and you get down in cover and you get a lot of fair catches and. And uh, so I'm not disappointed in in what we saw there. I thought he still fielded the ball well. I thought he still made good decisions with, you know, when to fair catch and and whatnot. So, and I'll say this, right, even just think of, of last year, having the confidence just to catch the ball in traffic versus running away, letting it hit and roll 10 or 12 yards. Even if you don't return it, you maximize ball placement by actually just catching it and not losing 15 yards on the roll.
0: No, that is true. And and that is something that, uh, unfortunately, is is not does not seem to be understood. Right. By a lot of uh, by a lot of people. So that so that definitely, uh, that's that definitely job, right? makes it that's our, difference. That's our job, right? No, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, anything else is special teams that jumps out at you?
1: No, unfortunately. Um, unfortunately, you know, we we've got some work to do there. And so, you know, hopefully that'll happen soon. Uh, talk to us about okay. Ole Miss. I travels to Oxford. Uh, I don't think it was last time, but two years ago, or, you know, two trips there, it didn't go well. Uh, what's your thought on this year's foray into the grove?
0: You know, um, obviously, um, they they seem to be putting some things together with, you know, under the current coaching staff. They obviously are airing the ball out and spreading the ball around. Um, so I think it'll be another uh, good test for, for our secondary, as you kind of highlighted from, you know, with the schedule, you know, with the teams that they've already played they're going to bring a different challenge to the defensive, or to the offensive line protection too, right? Because it's an SEC football team. It's not, you know, Arkansas State. And so, you know, I, I think that this, you know, I think our offense is still going to to be able to, to give us a nice cushion, you know, in this game. But I think that this is going to be a tighter game than maybe it would be if we played Ole Miss in late November. If we played Ole Miss when we're playing Mississippi State sure. and these guys have had times to mature – I think it'd be a different situation, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say this is going to be a 31-14 game, Alabama. Okay, okay, that, that
1: that's that's interesting. I you know I tell you that um, it you know the scoreboard was sexy at least part of it. You know, Ole Miss scored 76 points last week, and so that's a big number. But then you got to look at the rest of the scoreboard. You know, they played Southern Illinois, who who themselves scored 41 points. Ole Miss was trailing uh at times throughout that game including including late you know i saw them sort of take the lead and then the next time i saw they scored 76 points and i wasn't exactly sure how they got to that many so quick so late in the game but you know they were losing that game uh they were losing that game you know late at one point it was 38 35 and that was you know that was early in the fourth quarter late in the third i can't remember and so you know you look at you look at Miss yardage totals you know they gained again 646 yards, that's darn impressive, but hell, they gave up 629 yards. So I think that they have things moving well on offense. Jordan Tamu is a really good quarterback. A.J. Brown and D.K. DK Metcalf are two talented wide receivers. They have other uh, receivers that, that can catch the ball. I think that our defense um, – I'm going to go out on a limb, Tommy, and say I think our defense is better than Southern Illinois's defense – uh, so I don't think those points are as free, and I certainly think that our offense is better than than southern, you know, Southern Illinois. I'm being a little bit ridiculous when I say that. Of course, you know, of course they are. I think our offense rolls. I think we, uh, I think we see more Tua early in the game, and so we uh, we're going to recognize that we're going to need to put up a lot of points. So I don't think we can, you know, jolly Roger the the quarterback situation. I think we're going to put Tua in with the objective of you know, let's go see if we can, you know, if we can score, you know, touchdowns on, on seven of our first 10 possessions and see if we can't really establish, you know, a lead here. So I see a more aggressive play on offense. And then I think that feeds into the defense. I'm seeing uh, Ole Miss will have success moving the ball. They will score. But I'm seeing something in the neighborhood of 59-24. Um, I think that – Wow.
0: Yeah. Hang 59 on, on, on Ole Miss. Yeah,
1: yeah. Now, well, you now, family, now, Bama now it may be look. 14, it may be 14, 14 coming out of the first quarter. Okay. So it may be, it may be something in that neighborhood coming out of the, out of the first quarter. But by the time it's said and done, I think there's a lot, there's a lot said and done on the Alabama side.
0: Okay. Well, I definitely hope that, that we can hang 50 on them. That would be nice.
1: Yes, absolutely. Especially, hey, especially,
0: I, especially, especially at their house. That would be really nice. Yes, absolutely. Can I tell one more story? Yes, go right ahead.
1: So last week, and so last week it was me just stream of consciousness talking football. And one of the things that I said last week, uh, talking about the Arkansas State game, and so I'm I'm gonna say something that should start to be in your wheelhouse, but let's let's see. So and I was and I just started talking about Arkansas State. Not that I knew a lot about him, but kind of the things that I did know about him. It's a Gus Miles on coach there, and that's one of the things that we talked about. But there was a player back in 1998 that we were recruiting, that ended up going to Arkansas state instead of Alabama. And at the time I couldn't remember his name. I knew it was a J A name and I was thinking Jonathan Allen. I was like, okay, that's not it, but I just, you know, what could it be? And so it, it ends up that that player's name is Jonathan Adams. And so in 1998 he went he for whatever reasons selected Arkansas State over Alabama and went on and became an all-conference running back, you know, 1998 to 2001, had a, you know, good career and and I think was at one point their third leading rusher in the history of the program, all of that good stuff. And so I thought that's wonderful. A play on the game Saturday was made get your gray hairs ready, was made by Jonathan Adams Jr. And I went and looked no it up. Way. I went and looked it up, and I said, holy cow, out of out of the deep, dark football recesses of my mind, did I even come up with a name in the first place? And his son, truly, it is his son, I looked it up, made a play uh, Saturday in the game. And I thought, well, that is pretty darn something. I don't know what to call that, but that is, I thought that was pretty pretty uniquely something.
0: I know what to call it. It just makes us feel old. So thank you for that. I really appreciate that. That's awful. Nice of you. I, hate, hope, the, I hope the listeners enjoyed that.
1: I do what I can. So uh, let me say something else that won't make us feel quite as old. So Saturday, Alabama scored 50 points. Second week in a row, we've topped 50. First time, this will make other people old, not us. First time that has happened since 1925. And Tommy, that 1925 team went to the Rose Bowl. It was Alabama's first trip to the Rose Bowl. So Alabama's not t- topped 50 two weeks in a row since 1925. And that's a team that we sing about in a little something we like to call the Alabama Fight Song. So how about that?
0: That's very cool, man. Very yeah. cool indeed.
1: So, And that team won the national title, played out in the Rose Bowl in California, which, which is where this year's national t- championship game is. Not in the Rose Bowl, but it's in California.
0: Look at you, man, connecting the dots.
1: So we'll have to come up with some new lyrics. We'll have to come up with a second verse maybe.
0: No, that would be cool. That would be very cool. All
1: right. That's what I got. I have, I've exhausted all my stories.
0: Well, Hey man, I appreciate you sharing that very much. So
1: absolutely. All right. Well, hey, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. We absolutely love uh, you guys listening. We appreciate all your feedback and, and commentary. Head out to Facebook, uh, Alabama Football Podcast, uh, Alabama football Podcast at gmail.com. And certainly please go to iTunes, subscribe, and uh, leave us a rating and review there. That will help us be found by all of the other Alabama football fans that are missing an Alabama Football Podcast from their lives. So go do that and help us and help them. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.